It's just confirmation for me. Amen. So I'm not going to go into all of those different prayers. You can just go back and listen to him. One prayer doesn't fit all. That was the that was the title. So you can go back and listen to him. He broke it down and did an excellent job. But I just want to talk about the primary reason why we pray. Amen. The primary purpose, the primary reason and purpose as to why we pray. This is a one-on-one -on -one Christian sermon. You might know it. You might just need a refresher course. But I believe, because God had given it to me to speak to, that you're going to be blessed by it. I pray that God will give you a new revelation on it. Amen. If you already know, know it, I hope he just dropped more knuckles into your spirit. Amen. So the primary reason why we pray. Prayer is a vital part of the believer's life and is crucial, crucial to our spiritual growth. Well, I can tell you that the message that I'm getting ready to teach on, I struggle with, you know, because in our minds, sometimes we feel like, how do we pray? Do we continue to ask for the same thing over and over and over, you know, do God hear our prayers? We have all these questions in our heads and stuff. Amen? But I want to say to you that the primary reason why we pray, and it's very simple, is because God wants a relationship with us. God wants communion with us. Amen? God wants intimacy with us. That's the primary reason why we pray. And I know it sounds simple because we always feel like there are steps to prayer and, you know, we have to pray this way. And there are prayers that Pastor Nick talked about, and they have their place in our Christian walk with God. Amen? But, you know, I just don't believe that prayer should be 95% of you asking God to give me, give me, give me. I think the majority of our prayer should be a prayer of worship. Amen? A prayer of worship. And I know there are things that we all need. There's things that we are all seeking God about. You know, uh, Matthew 11 and 24 says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you should have them. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say, be careful for nothing, but in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Matthew 7 and 7 say, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find Knock, and the door shall be open. So it's okay for us to, is it, is it okay for us to ask God for, to do things for us? You know, if I ask you what are the main things that you pray for, you know, most people say I pray for healing. I pray for restoration for my family. 
I pray over my finances. You know, I pray, you know, that God will heal my mind. I pray for over my depression. I pray, you know, for God to just give me joy. You know, it's so give me peace. There are so many things that we go to God and we ask God for. And absolutely, we should be asking God because I just read scriptures here saying that God is okay with us asking for these things. Amen. But I don't think the majority of our prayer should be asking God for things. And the reason why I say that, because he says in Matthew 6 and 33, that if we would just seek the Lord, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then what? All these things that we are praying about will be added unto us. Amen. If we put the first thing first, which is God, and we seek him, we seek his righteousness, then all these other things that we constantly ask for will be added unto us. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. But for some reason, we feel like, you know, I know I, I do it. There's times when I get down and I start praying and I realize my whole prayer is give me, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> deliver, 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 deliver. You know, enlarge my territory, enlarge my finances, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's not a, it's not a dialogue. It's just us sometimes just talking to God about what, what, what our needs are, what our desires are. And again, that has its place. There's nothing wrong with that. But the, I believe that if we just seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I believe the word when he said, then all these other things that we are concerned about will be added unto us. Amen? Amen. So... Why is it that God wants to have an intimate relationship with us? Why is the primary reason that we pray is so that God, we can enter into an intimate relationship with God? Because that's what God created us for, to have an intimate relationship with him. That's what he created us for. If you look at um, Revelations 4 and 11, it says, oh, too many notes here. Revelation 4 and 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. So God created everything for his pleasure. That includes us. If we get a revelation about that, just think about that. Before we even came into this world, before we even enter into our mother's room, God was thinking about us. He created us for his pleasure. That's what that scripture is saying. 
He create, that means he wants a relationship with us. He wants intimacy with us. He wants to delight himself in us. Amen? If we think about that, that alone, when we are going through things, that alone when we are dealing with difficulties in our life should be enough for us to get into the presence of Lord and just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to worship him. Just begin to worship him. Because he desires, he delights in you. He wants to lavish your love on you. Why? Why do God want to have an intimate relationship with us? Because he loves us. It's just that simple. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. So we can cast our cares upon him. Because he loves us. We don't have to toss and turn all night. We don't have to wonder how things are going to work out. We don't have to worry so much about our kids. Yes, there's a concern. And as we pray, oh, God, we just glorify you. We magnify you. We just thank you for your goodness. And, yeah, by the way, God, you know there's a need in this area in my life. And then you go back to worshiping him, praising him. Because the more you worship him and the more you praise him, something begins to happen in the atmosphere. Amen. The more you seek God, the more you put him first, the more you make him the main thing, the more you make him the center of your life, the more you live a life of love, then those things, those cares that you are concerned about will supernaturally be taken care of. I believe that when we're worshiping God, that there's something supernaturally take place. And I believe that the more we worship God, God will make supernaturally put things in motion in our lives so that the things that we are in need of will come to pass. And we have to believe that. If we believe God, if we believe the word of God, then we know that no matter what it is that we stand in need of, when we worship in the Lord, when we seek in his face, when we seek in the kingdom, when we seek in his righteousness, then what? All these things that we are concerned about will be added unto us. God wants a relationship with us. It's just as simple as that. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, there's different type of prayers that we can pray. There's times when we need to be praying and taking control and authority over the enemy. There's nothing wrong with that. He said he given us power to shred over serpents and scorpions and what? All the power of the enemy. There's times when we're supposed to be interceding for our loved ones, family, friends, strangers, people that we meet. There's times for that. But I believe that the majority of our time should be in worship, pure worship. You know, Pastor Jen has been preaching about worship. 
And the benefits of worshiping the God, the benefits of just getting into the presence of God, you know, just a small sidetrack. One day I was just working and I got so frustrated. Have you ever gotten so frustrated and concerned about situations that you just become weak because you worry about it so much? I became, I could actually feel my body becoming weak, amen? And I had to stop working. And I even said to God, God, why did you give me this job? Now, when he gave me the promotion, I was glad. I was jumping for joy, you know. But I was thinking, God, why did you give me this job? I can't do this. It's too much. I can't do it. I even, When I was questioning God as to why he gave it to me, in essence, I was blaming God and in that moment for my stress. You know, why would you do this, God? Then I stopped. And I can just hear the Holy Spirit say, get into my presence. Get into my presence. Thank God I work from home. Because I jumped up and I just, we have a couch downstairs in our rec room. And I just sit there and I begin to worship God. I begin to lift him up and glorify him. I begin to remind him of how good he's been to me. I begin to thank him for his goodness and his grace and his long suffering with me, his kindness, his faithfulness. And I didn't ask him anything about the job. I didn't bring up the job. I just wanted to worship him. I just felt an urgency in my spirit to worship him. And I sat there and I worshiped him. I worshiped him. And the more I worshiped him, I began to feel a lifting in my spirit. I began to feel peace. There was a contentment in my spirit. And do you not know when I went back and sit at my desk and I started doing what I needed to do, what should have taken me four hours to do actually took me an hour and a half. That's because God is concerned about what I'm concerned about and because he loved me, when I was seeking the kingdom of God, when I was seeking his face, then what? He began to take care of my situation for me. Amen? So a lot of times, it's not about the pushing and pull and the struggle in our prayer. Sometimes we're struggling in our prayers when there's no need to struggle in our prayers. All we need to do is to get before the Lord and worship him. Praise him. That's the primary reason that he created us. Amen? Amen. John 15 and 11 says, Ask so that your joy shall be full. One translation says, So that your joy will be complete. Our greatest, your greatest joys come from having a relationship with God. Our joy does not come from how much money we have, our status, 
You know, it doesn't come from who loves us, who's in our lives, who's not in our lives. That's not what complete joy. Oh, we can get some happiness from this world. You know, there's moments of happiness. But that complete joy, it has to come from God. That's the only place from you having a relationship with God. You know, I remember the when I was younger, when people used to get up and testify, they would say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away from me. You know, they would get up and they testify and then they begin to tell they tell their testimony and stuff. But when I was small, you know, that didn't really mean a lot to me. But as I grew up, I thought about that. The joy that you get from God, the world can't give you that type of joy. And they can't take it away from you. Because this type of joy is a heart attitude. And it's determined by what you believe and your confidence in God. Amen? It's not determined by what you have or what you don't have or who loves you and who don't love you. That's not. It's a heart attitude. And when you get the right heart attitude, you will experience that joy. Even when the storms of life is raging, even when things just aren't going the way you feel like it should be going for, there's a joy on the inside. And when that joy is on the inside, you can, you can begin to just praise God and worship God. In spite of your situation, in spite of what you're going through, because you know that your God is going to take care of that situation. You know that your God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Maker, the beginning and the end, you know he's going to take care of it. Amen? And that's what worshiping God is all about. It's about having an intimate relationship with him. The primary reason why we pray is because God loves us. And he wants us to see his heart. He wants to reveal his heart to us. He wants to reveal his heart to us. He created us for his pleasure, Revelations 4 and 11. Why did he do that? Because he loves us. And if we just take the struggle out of our prayers... If we just take the struggle out of it and just, you know, it's, it's about just communicating with God. That's what it's all about. It's just having a conversation. It's just about letting him know how you feel about him. And then as you say, God, I love you. Then he said, I love you too. <laughs> you know, and then you begin to feel that heart love that he has for you. And then what happens? Your life becomes more stable. Your life becomes more stable when you are in the presence of God. The Bible, there's a scripture and verse in the Bible that says, pray without ceasing. Does that mean that you're walking around, thus said the Lord, you just, you know, da, da, da. No, that's not what that means. That means that you're just talking. Having a conversation with God. 
seeking him out, letting him reveal his heart to you. That's what it is. That's what prayer is. And I know when, when I say that, people think, oh, it, it, it got to be more than that. <laughs> it, it, it can't be just that. But that's what it is. That's what it is. Yes, there's different type of prayers. We pray for different situations. But the primary reason we pray is so that we can have communication with God and have an intimacy with God. Amen. Adam and Eve in Genesis 8, the Bible talked about in the cool of the day, God what? He walked with them. He talked with them. That's what he did. That's what he did. In the cool of the day, every day the Bible said he walked with them and he talked with them. Why? Because he created them to have a relationship with him. That was his original plan, and that's his plan now. That was his original plan, to have a family, to have a relationship. So he created them, and he walked in the cool of the day with them. I'm reminded as I talk of this song to say, and he walked with me, and he talked with me, and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Oh, my God. When we get a revelation of God's love, when we get a revelation of how much he loves us, we won't have so many needs. We won't have so many needs. When we get that true revelation of who God is to us and who we are to him and how much he want to lavish his love on us, how much he want to, to just, the Bible says prayer is a kiss to God from you. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Prayer in the Greek is just worship. Is intimacy worshiping God. That's what it is. Amen. So, you know, I, <laughs> when I met Richard, and I'm going to talk about him because God uses him, right? <laughs> when I met Richard, and he probably don't want me to tell this, he asked me to go out to a restaurant. Actually, it was Olive Garden. And we had a nice little conversation. I went to the bathroom afterwards, and when I came back, lo and behold, we were sitting in a booth, and what did he do? He had moved on my side of the booth. Yes. Oh, boy, was I steaming. This was just a little bit too much. I said the audacity of him to come sit over here by me. I knew that very moment. I said to myself, this is the first and the last date. That was our first date. And I thought, this is the first and the last date. Mm -mm, this ain't going to work. He a little bit too bit bold for me. Just a little bit too, too, too. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Moving a little too fast. Oh, yes. Yes, but 
didn't know him, it was easy for me to say, this is it, first and the last. I'm done. Take me home. Pay the bill. Let's go. Let's go. I'll lead the tip. You don't even have to lead the tip. I'm ready to go. But when we got out in the car, he didn't start the car up. He just sat there. And he began to share with me some of the deepest pains that he had went through. He began to share with me how he had lost his wife his, and that he cared for her. He took care of her. He came off of his job for six months and he was the sole caregiver a year. He was the sole care. And then when she passed away, this is what got me. He said, I asked the ambulance when they got there if I could pick her up and carry her out to the ambulance. He said, I didn't want her to be laid on that cold stretcher. I wanted to carry her in my arms and lay her in that ambulance. Oh, my whole attitude changed then. Then I wanted to know him because he had, what, shown me his heart. I saw his heart. We sat in that car for two hours that night in front of Olive Garden, and he shared his heart with me. Everything changed from that moment on. Fast forward 23 years later, we're still together. But I tell you that story to tell you this. Because I saw his heart, we was able to enter into a relationship where he revealed more and more of his heart. And the more he revealed to me, the more I fell in love with him. And that's the way it is. With God. The more you enter into that relationship and allow God to show you his heart, the more you're going to fall in love with him. And not only did I fall in love with him, I believed that he, when he said he would protect me, he would care for me, he would provide for me. I believed that. And when God tell you, I'll protect you, I'll provide for you, I'll care for you, don't be anxious for nothing. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. When you enter into that intimacy, when you enter into that intimacy relationship with God and God begin to show you his heart and how much he loves you and he begin to lavish that love upon you, you won't have needs for a lot of those other prayers. <laughs> because now you're just trusting in God. You're worshiping God. And on a side note, you say, oh, yeah, God, and by the way, this is happening, but I know because you love me that you're going to take care of it. And then you begin to worship, continue to worship the Lord. Because again, supernatural divine flow would take place in your life when we get into the presence of God. Amen. Does that make sense? It's about an intimacy with God. So, if you live to love God, 
How many of us want to live just to love God? If you live to love God, if you make God the center of your life, if you make him first, when you seek him first, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to just let the cares of this world take you out. Because you realize that God loves you in spite of your good days, in spite of your bad days. He'll never leave or, you or forsake you. And you will understand that if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Amen. So, Revelations 3.20 said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open up the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. So God wants us to open up our hearts to him. Amen. He wants to enter into our hearts. He wants to come in. He wants to be our father, our provider, our healer, whatever you need. That's what he wants to be. Amen. Open up your hearts to him. Because when we do that, there's a change that's going to take place in your life. And the change takes place, I believe, because your prayer changes. When your prayer changes and you begin to pray a prayer of worship, your life will change. Your life will change. If we just, if we just try God on that, you know, it, and, and we're going to have to do it on purpose because a lot of times we are so conditioned. We are so conditioned to, to lay before the God and worship for about five or ten minutes and then begin to ask God, you know, a list of all the things that we need. Sometimes we're, just to be honest, we're conditioned to pray like that. But God didn't intend for our prayers to be all about that. He wants an intimate relationship with him. He wants you to get to know him. That's like a man and a woman. And I'll use my husband again. If I didn't want to be with him, if I didn't want to have, you know, be around him and get to know him, and the only time I came to him is when I wanted something, what do, what do people call, used to call that? A gold digger. <laughs> Amen. When, when, when a male or a female only wants to be around somebody, not to get to know them, not to get to know their hearts, but just what they can get out of them, mm -mm. then you better run the other way. You better run the other way. And that's the way it is with God. God don't want us to just to come to him just to give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. That's not what he wants. That's not what he wants. 
He's concerned about the things that you are concerned about. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely he's concerned about your concerns. But he desire a pure relationship with you. Amen? So, I'm going to give you three scriptures that you are very familiar with. And I'm going to ask you to, on your own time, to just pray about these scriptures and do research on these scriptures. Because I'm going to say something that might just throw, you know, that make you think, mm, I don't know. But if you take it to God and pray about it, I believe God will reveal truth to you. And they're very familiar scriptures. And the first one is John 3.16. It said, for God so loved the world. This is, this is why I know that the primary reason for prayer is that God wants an intimate relationship. These scriptures here is going to prove it. 3.16, John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Very familiar scripture. But how familiar is it really to you? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In the Christian world, a lot of times, and I'm going to read what I wrote down so, so I can say it right for you. In this Christian world, this is how a lot of times this scripture is taught. This is how it's taught, that God came to forgive our sins, and if you receive him and be born again, you will escape hell. That's what a lot of Christians believe about that scripture. And I'm going to read it again. That, if God came, that God came to forgive you of your sins. And if you receive him and get born again, that you will escape hell. That's what we associate with that scripture most of all. Amen. That's, that's a, a lot of people do. Maybe we don't. Maybe you don't. But a lot of people associate that phrase that I just read with this scripture. But this verse does not say that Jesus dies so that we would not perish, period. It does not say that. But it said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that we might have eternal life. Now, one of the purpose that God came and he accomplished that, that if we did receive him, if we are born again, we won't go to hell. But that's not the sole reason that God came. I know it's preached that way sometimes, but the, sole, the main reason that he came is that we can have eternal life with him. What is eternal life? You know, let me just interject and say this. If God came and that's all he did, that would be enough. That would be more than what we deserve. But he came to do so much more. He came to have a relationship with you. That's the sole reason he came. He didn't came just for our sins. Yes, 
He took care of that sin debt because it was a barrier between him and us because it kept us from having a relationship with him. So he had to take care of that sin debt. But that's not the sole reason he came. He came so that he can have a relationship with us. And I'm going to prove that through scripture. And then if you look at John 3.36, it says, Whosoever believes in the Son has, has, has eternal life. Whosoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It's not that you're going to, and, and when we hear that word eternal life, what do we think? When we get to heaven, we're going to have eternal life. That's what we think. But that's not, John 3, 36 said, we already have eternal life. That is the here and now, in the present. We already have eternal life. It's not in the future tense. That scripture is talking about in the present tense that we already, if you know the Son of God, whosoever believes in him has eternal life, John 3, 36. So everlasting life is not just, it's not about when we get to heaven. It's the here and now. It's not in the sweet by and by, but it's in the here and now. We already have eternal life. Then what is eternal life? If we already have it, what is eternal life? I'll tell you what eternal life is. John 17, 1 and 3. Eternal life is not being with God forever and ever. Now that is one of the benefits. That is one of the benefits that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we become born again, when we die, we will be with him forever and ever. That's one of the benefits, but that's not what eternal life is. John 17, 1 and 3 says this is what is eternal life is, and this is life eternal, that you might know thee, the only true God. In Jesus Christ, who thou hast sent. This is eternal life, that you might know him, the true and living God. That's eternal life. Eternal life is not when we get to heaven. The eternal life is right here and now. And eternal life is God wants to know us now. We can know God now. That is what eternal life is. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou have sent. That's eternal life. But do you hear people, do you hear it preached like that? A lot of times, no. We are here. Eternal life is when we die and we go on to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and that's true. But eternal life is for the here and now, according to the scripture, according to John 3, 36. 
he's already given us eternal life. So it couldn't be when we die and go see him if he's already have given to us in the present. So what is it then? Eternal life is a relationship that God put down his life so that we could know him. Isn't that amazing? That's how much he loves us. That he'll lay down his life for us just so he can have a relationship with you. So when somebody tell you that you're nobody, you are somebody. You're the person that God thought about. You're the person that he sent his son to die on that cross so that he can have an intimate relationship with you. That's why I say that the primary reason for prayer is so that we can be in communion with God. Because that's what he died for. So that we can know him. That we can know his heart. Isn't that amazing? So, you know, if we would minister to God. I mean, minister to people when we out there winning souls. Because I know some people say, well, you know, isn't the whole purpose for our life is that we win souls. And I'm just going to say it like this. If God have your heart, he'll have your service. If he can get your heart, he can get your service. If he can get your heart, he can get your purse and your your wallet. Amen. So what I'm saying is God is looking for your heart. If he gets your heart, then you will do the things that he called you to do. He, you will do those things automatically. Automatically you will do those things. But your sole purpose on this earth is, yes, he don't want you to be selfish and it's all about you. He wants you to, he want to use you as a channel to be a blessing to others. He want to use you as a channel to draw others to him. He wants to you, yes, he wants to use that. But God wants your heart first and foremost. And the way that he gets your heart is through having a relationship with him. Richard got my heart because I begin to see his heart when I enter into a relationship with him. That's how he got my heart. Because I begin to know him. And what I saw, I liked I fell in love with. He had a heart for God and a heart for people. Oh, did he have a heart for people? I fell in love with his heart. God wants you to fall in love with this God. He wants you to see his heart. And how do you see that? By entering into a relationship. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these other things are added, be added unto you. Let's go back to Adam and Eve. In the garden, 
when we talk about works, you know, yes, we want to be servants of God. But if it's all about service, service, then he really don't have your heart. If you don't want to spend time with him, if you're not seeking him, he really don't have your heart the way he wants to have your heart. Think about it. In the Garden of Eden, who did Adam and Eve witness to? There was nobody there for them to witness to. Were they complaining about their clothing? No. They were naked. Were they complaining about provision? No. No. Because they had everything they needed right there. So that lets you know that, you know, again, God is concerned about our service, but that's not the primary thing that he's concerned about. The primary thing is he wants you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. Amen? Does that make sense? Praise God. And I just wrote this. God loves you, and he wants you to love him back. God is compassionate about you. If you love God, you, God wants a relationship with you. And the primary reason for prayer is letting God know that you love him and that he loves you. And to be able to hear, hear in your heart how much he loves you. That's the primary reason for prayer. And I'm going to close with this. You know, the Bible is just a big love story. That's what the Bible is. And Christianity is about loving God. That's what Christianity is all about. It's loving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, and we love God because why? Because he first loved us. So the Bible is just a big love story. And the Bible lets us know God's heart for us. And the primary reasons why we pray, and I wrote some of these things down, is getting to know God's heart, to hear him say he loves you and you love him, allowing you to leave him, lead him, lead you into truth, experiencing his supreme affection toward you, reverencing him, worshiping him, yielding to him. These are the primary reasons why we pray. These are the primary reasons why we enter into a relationship with God. And all of this is intimacy with God. God consider all this intimacy. Amen. So First uh, Corinthians 13 and 3 and Deuteronomy 6 and 5. I'm going to close with these scriptures. It says, Deuteronomy 6 and 5 said, 
You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then Matthew 22, 37 and 39 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. How do we do that? How can we do that? By entering into a relationship with him, by communion with him. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So it's all about love. It's all about love, the great love God has for you. That's what this whole journey is about. If we realize that, then we can take the struggle out living this life that God has freely gave us. Living this life that he laid down his life for so that we can have. It's about a love story. It's about how much he loves us and how much we should love him and others. Amen? I know this is simple. I know some of you probably already have heard it, but sometimes we need a refresher. Sometimes we need a refresher course about what love, great love God has for us. Sometimes we need to know it's just about a relationship with God. All this other stuff that we are concerned about, he got you. You don't have to worry about that. A prayer of worship. If we implement a prayer of worship in our daily lives, we wouldn't need to worry about anything else. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, thank you, Sister Phyllis, for sharing that. That was very enriching, and uh, it's just really the heart of the Lord. You know, that's what he's trying to show us. And, um, and like you said, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When, he, when we come to him, he said, come to me and learn of me. I'm meek. I'm lowly of heart. And uh, you'll find rest for your soul. So praise God that in that message, there's, uh, there's rest. You know, too many people struggle, right? You know, and we're in this world, right? We got to deal with things. But there is that rest of his presence. Whenever you're going through something, whenever you're struggling, like Phyllis was saying, just get into that love, that love time. You know, if you read Psalms 91, it's a powerful Psalms. It talks about all the things that God's going to do, how he's going to deliver you, how he's going to set you free, how he's going to take out your enemies, how he's going to provide for you. But when you look at the foundation of Psalms 91, what does he say in that? He says, because he has set his love upon me. Amen. So just continue to set your love upon the Lord. We're going to go ahead and take up our offering now. Praise